celebrity Let your weary mind be free And someone kind of famous who you can't see It's time for sleeping with celebrity Hello sleepyheads and welcome to Sleeping with Celebrities. I'm John Moe. I'm glad you're here. On this audio program, we invite our guests to step out of the limelight and step into the nightlight. On this show, for one bedtime, we don't ask them to bring their A game, but rather their Z game, or perhaps their Z, Z, Z game. It's a podcast where you can sleep, you can simply relax, you can take a break from stress and intensity. Just ahead, we'll be sleeping with Kristen Hirsch. She's going to talk with me about life on the road. But before all that, I invite you to settle in and get comfortable while I tell you about another show on the Maximum Fun Network. Sleepyheads, I wish to tell you about another podcast here on the Maximum Fun Network. It is Bullseye with Jesse Thorne, and they are having Rap Month. Hip-hop turns 50 this year, and Bullseye is celebrating by bringing you a month of interviews just with rappers. Master P, Jeezy, Benny the Butcher, Rakim, a bunch more. There are some memorable quotes from these artists that ordinarily we would have them on recording reading them to you, but this is a show where I read all the promos. So, for instance, Master P says, Music is what's going to open the doors for us, but whatever we come up with after this is going to be bigger. Or Rakim, who says, And just being a fan of hip-hop, you know, I tried to get my hands on all the cassette tapes that I could that was going around the neighborhood. Hear from these people, plus Benny the Butcher, Chica, Saba, and more. Host Jesse Thorne hopes you'll check it out. That's all September on Bullseye from MaximumFun.org. Available wherever you get podcasts. And now for our guest, Kristen Hirsch. Depending on your age, dear listener, it's possible your first exposure to Kristen was on a cassette tape. It could have also been via CD or compact disc, or LimeWire, or MySpace, or maybe even Spotify. She is a touring musician and a founding member of the alt-rock groups Throwing Muses and 50-Foot Wave, and Kristen has a new solo album called Clear Pond Road. If I were you, and let's be clear, I am not, I would purchase her new album now and then see her live in Mallorca, Spain, or England this fall, where she'll be touring. I suppose what I'm trying to convey is that Kristen Hirsch is a rock star. 
Kristen Hirsch, welcome to Sleeping with Celebrities. Thank you, John. You know, I like to start bedtime conversations off with a question or two about sleep. Do you fall asleep easily yourself? I do not. What What do you do about that? I use that. I write books and records, and I raise lots of children, and I drive the van. <laughs> I think it's a superpower to not be able to sleep. <laughs> because there's too much going on in your world? I'm um, an easygoing person on uh, the outside, which I would call mm-hmm. outer peace. And yes. on the inside, I think you're familiar with this phenomenon. It waits until nightfall and then decides to... Uh, face you with what you should be facing during the day. I see. So you've achieved outer peace. Exactly. (laughs) I'm so proud, (laughs) but I'm really tired. (laughs) What's the best night of sleep you've ever had? Oh, that's easy. Reykjavik. Tell me what happened. I had raised four children, and this was the first tour I did without any of them. So I hadn't slept in about 30 years. And the first stop was Reykjavik. And uh, I think it was with Throwing Muses. It was my birthday. So my bandmates came to my Reykjavik flat. And uh, they decided that the feng shui was off. So they rearranged furniture before we went out to dinner. And then I guess the feng shui was sound. So we sat on the balcony drinking beer until dinner time. And when they were going to take me out for my birthday dinner. And of course, my birthday is in August when the sun doesn't set in Iceland. Mm, right. Uh, we were waiting for the sun to set. Uh, obviously, the next time we looked up, it was about 1 a.m. and all the restaurants were closed. So mm. they left, and I went to bed and slept for, like I say, the first time in about 30 years. <laughs> and it, I could not stop sleeping. At one point, someone tried to wake me up, and I said, I'm riding my bike in New Orleans, thinking that they would get it. Like, I don't want to leave this, this beautiful dream world. And... um they kind of got it, but they just thought, oh, Chris is crazy now. And eventually I woke up, but this was like 20 hours later. And um, I blame the feng shui, actually, because it never happened again. Mm. It's sort of the opposite of what you think of a rock band doing. <laughs> We're sort of the opposite of what you think of a rock band. <laughs> uh, yeah. Was Is this a... a it, a typical activity in your bands uh, to to address the feng shui of a of a rented room. Being in a band is very boring. Uh, you sp- it's like being a firefighter. You spend a lot of downtime trying to be slightly more interesting than what's going on in your space. And so I would say, yeah, this is something that my bandmates. Um, not specifically this would do, but I would come back to our hotel and my bass player would be hanging by his ankles from a balcony 
just because he couldn't think of anything else to do. He was trying to liven things up. And, mm. and that's what this was. And it resulted in the best night of sleep in my life. I have no regrets. I'm sure I'll never experience it again. But Okay. All right. I wonder if the 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 daylight had something to do with that, which seems counterintuitive that it would. That's a good point. There's a Vegas effect where you're not supposed uh, to rely on circadian rhythm or know that there's anything else going on. Right. How long were you in Reykjavik? Uh, it was just like a week and a half or so. We were doing a, a festival that takes place all over the city. So we had flats. We made lots of friends. It's a very small town. We, have, we still have friends that we made that week. <laughs> when I was in Reykjavik a few years ago, I wanted to get some coffee in the morning, and I found that the coffee shops did not open until 9 a.m. Was this winter? I, this was summer. Oh, man, that's cold. And I thought that was an admirable trait. It was Reykjavik telling me that I should sleep in a little bit more. Yeah, it is a, a kindness. Did you hang out with Bjork? I did not, but we met some Vikings. You met some Vikings? Yeah, like... Guys on uh, horseback with fur chaps. and oh. It was a little village people, but still, Viking was their thing, their idiom. They had the, the hat and everything, the horn helmet, and they, they came to our show. On horseback? Yeah. Oh. Outdoor show? No. They parked their horses with, like, the bikes and... <laughs> <laughs> okay. They were really, really drunk. So I don't know if they were always Vikings or if this was just like a drunken thing, but it's the only time I saw them in my life. So I think of them as the Vikings. Okay. All right. Well, I'm interested in in the life of the touring musician uh, and the parts that we don't normally see. We see when the lights come up and the band runs out on stage and everybody screams. Um, but... I know that there are many more hours to the day than those 90 minutes or 120 minutes that, or if you're Bruce Springsteen, 500 minutes <laughs> that, that one plays. What happens when you, let's, let's begin with your day as you, as you pull into the town in which you will be playing. Walk us through what happens next. It depends who got up before you and what they found. N normally, I would have some more industrious bandmate uh, tell me where coffee was or where something cool was or a, a park to take my dogs. And um, that doesn't, that's not a reliable source when it comes to landing in a strange town. Once I woke up and the bus was parked in a field and there were no bandmates around. The only thing I could see through the window were these guys falling out of the sky, these parachuters, and someone was announcing them by name, like, Lieutenant Colonel John Mills, and, and he would fall and land in the field. And that was all I was left with. No one left me a note. Um, I was scared to get off the bus. But uh, it turned out we were playing a festival I didn't know. I, I often don't know where I am. And 
Um, this was just this kind of adjacent military exercise where people were falling and being named, uh, which was a lot more interesting than the festival, I have to say. But, I hope they were more floating than falling. Uh, they were floating, not, yeah. Not the, plummeting. I sort of attributed some alarm because of the alarm that I felt about it. But sure. I think they were doing their thing, and it was cool that they were getting attention for it. Let's pick a more typical account <laughs> that you might pull into, a more typical situation. Um, well, actually, let me ask you first, where were your bandmates after all? Were they skydiving as well? They were at the festival, which I'm a very shy person, and I tend not to go to loud things except my own shows because they make me. And so I wasn't really drawn to the mud and the people like they were. Um, and then when my drummer came back, I said, you know, what the hell or something like it. And he said, we have to go on in half an hour. And I said, I can't, oh. I can't do that. That's not going to happen. And he said, yeah, it is. And put two beers in front of me. I thought one was for him. He's like, no, no, they're both for you. <laughs> you have something to deal with today. <laughs> It was beautiful. Beer for breakfast was okay, and the show was great, and everybody was happy, and you can be loud in the sunshine if you mean it. You're not showing off. It's just noisy and noisy sunshine, and then these guys just fell out of the sky the whole time. And, you know, I want to say it wasn't actually as atypical as it sounds. Every day is a little bizarre. Hmm. Um, then what is typical if that's... If that's also typical, what's the most typical situation that you find yourself in? Free coffee is sort of the ideal. You know, that would be the goal every morning, which is, try it, you know, it's hard. But um, sometimes there will be like a tire event where they're they're giving uh -huh. away free coffee and um, that's gas station coffee. And, it, you know, if you're American, you're, you're going to be cool with that. But once it was furniture so if we all sat on a lot of couches and accepted the free coffee and discussed the the couches and and pretty much implied that we were all going to buy one and somehow carry them home but we said we were going to go think about it oh is gas station coffee better than furniture store coffee gas station coffee is a gift when it happens, uh, because you've had worse days. Once we woke up in a field and, uh, and not on a bus, I mean, literally lying in the field. <laughs> it's, just, it's a long story that you don't need, but we woke up in the grass and there were antelope. There's a whole, whole bunch of antelope uh, also in this field. And we walked to the gas station and they had true gas station coffee with those little horrible creamer things with uh -huh. terrible worlds that you don't want to go to. And we went and, and we just thought, this is transmutation. This is America. This is an honor. Uh, but I don't actually remember the furniture store coffee. They might have been trying really hard, and I feel bad about two things now, that I didn't admire their coffee or appreciate it, and I also didn't buy any furniture. When you go to get your gas station coffee, uh, how do you serve it? What what do you add to it? What's the process for you? 
um, I try to find the the most entertainingly named of the little creamers that don't have cream in them. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what they have in them. I'm guessing corn syrup and white paint. And they're named really beautiful things. And I think no one really partakes of those any longer. So they got entertainingly desperate with their packaging. And I feel like no one's no one's paying attention. And so I I live for the, you know, their names are sort of baffling now. They're, they used to be recognizable Irish cream, French vanilla. They've since gone into interplanetary language, and somewhat like lipstick, which you might not be familiar with. But mm. one of the games I would play with my children on the tour bus, where it can be hard to, to sleep, uh, was they had to come up with a, a lipstick color slash wrestling move before they were allowed to go to sleep, which makes a kid really tired. And it has to work both ways. It can't be lipstick and wrestling. It has to be one phrase that works for both. Can you give me some examples of successful uh, things they came up with that allowed your children to finally sleep, to get the <laughs> sleep they desperately needed all along? Well, kids will fight sleep, you know, so this was sort of reverse psychology. But I, I can tell you the winner was Raspberry Crush. Oh, nice. Yeah, it works on way more than just two levels. You, you can sit with that for a while. I'll leave it with you. I have found a list of uh, 17. I'm not sure we'll keep them all. I have found a list of vegan coffee creamer varieties. <laughs> tell me how you think these sound and whether you would give them a try. Califia Farm Cinnamon Roll Oat Creamer. Wow. Yeah, sure. Kelly? Do we know who she is? Kelly is a person? Or is that an adjective? Califia. Califia? Lordy. Califia Farms. No. It's too mysterious. It's okay. I I grew up on a commune, and um, I tend to have a a sort of phobic reaction to anything that gets too hippie. Like like if you come at me with incense, you know that's like garlic to a vampire. Yeah. Let's let's try some others here. These are again vegan coffee creamer varieties: nut pods, shelf stable almond and coconut creamer. Nut pods. Drink? Nut pods sounds like an insult. What yeah. does that mean? Uh, a bunch of nut pods. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not a friendly one either. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to pass and go back to my I Irish pass. cream. Do you have any more? Super creamer caramel waffle. Whoa. What's the waffle part? You jam waffles in your coffee. I don't know. Maybe it, it tastes like waffle in some way. Okay, I'll choose that one. Do I need to choose one? I'll choose that one. Yeah. Okay. You just need to give an up or down vote on on whether you would, uh, if you found this in a gas station after awakening in a field, either on a bus or off, you would give it a try. You know what? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Power to the waffle. All right. Honest to goodness, plant-based creamer, Himalayan salted caramel. Holy hell. They're really upping their game. It's so th- nine words. That's a long title. 
Does that imply salt? Salt in your coffee? Like the joke? Salted caramel. Like, like I've found it's an increasingly popular ice cream flavor now, the it salted is. caramel. Yeah. yeah, my little millennial children were working me on this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're down with that? You're down to give that one a try? Yeah, you know what? I started this like 20 years ago, so I got to finish it right, I think. Here's a, a final one that might be troubling. Layered superfood creamer plus adaptogen. <laughs> Are there mushrooms involved? It's a superfood creamer Ashwagandha? and a little plus sign and okay. adaptogens. I think there's some sort of mutation that might take place. I could use sure. all the mutations I can get. Ab- absolutely. I will adapt my coffee. So the so you're in the town. You have found coffee at the gas station or the furniture store. You've put in your adaptogens. Um, but it's still, I imagine, several hours till showtime. Is there important business to conduct, or is there simply time to kill? Sleepyheads, it is time once again for me to tell you about another program on the Maximum Fun Network. Dead Pilots Society brings you comedy pilots that networks bought but never made. Shows that you can't see or hear anywhere else because they were too good for TV. The pilots come from the top writers in television, writers like Adam McKay, Genji Cohen, and John Hodgman. They feature actors and comedians you love, like Patton Oswalt, Maria Bamford, Tony Hale, Tiffany Haddish, Molly Shannon, Will Forte, Rain Wilson, Carrie Mulligan, and hundreds more. Dead Pilot Society also brings you in-depth conversations between Andrew Reich, Emmy-winning showrunner of Friends, and the creators of the pilots, giving you insider insight into the creation, selling, and development of television comedies. The program is Dead Pilots Society, available on Maximum Fun and wherever you get your podcasts. Is there important business to conduct, or is there simply time to kill? Mm, Both. Our important business is killing time. Mm. So one of the things we might do is try to check into a hotel so that we can take showers. And um, the hotels get real confused when you try to do this. Um, They don't seem... To be happy with the fact that you want the key to get into a room or at that time. I don't, I don't know. I, my guess is that they're, these people are sleep deprived. Uh, yeah. And I feel for them because I am as well. Sure. And they're on a real special drug given that. The same, it's just the same effect as um, our sense of humor or like the way my own children speak. It's mm-hmm. just um, just nothing between what you're thinking and, and what you're saying. No, nothing saying, well, no, don't say that. So it's not like the stoner, how good a 
person be somebody else that we're all used to. Uh, right. Th- this is more like just a sort of non-functioning dream state in but still walking around in the real world and so that would that will kill a lot of time to try to get into your own hotel room. Um do, do you ever find a a front desk person at a hotel when you're trying to get in much earlier than the advertised check-in time? Do you ever find a clerk that says, "Oh, throwing muses, come right this way." Oh, and man. they're very impressed with you. I'm going to I'm going to just let you think that. Okay. Sorta, but no. Mostly there's someone with um like there was a man uh who he seemed to be hard of hearing and we I sort of wandered off because the the moment where you say can I have the key and then you get the key can be such a long moment, you know, an hour. Mm. And yeah. I, I I tend to wander off and look at the um the plastic flowers by the plastic fire and I find that comforting, more comforting than uh, watching my friends try to stay polite. Uh, but th- this man clearly was uh, genial and was not following the process at all. And it was, you know, it was morning, so I get that we might not have rooms, but uh, he turned to the uh, right, his right, and we could see that his... His skull was a really fascinating shape. I want to say, like, Pac-Man. And uh, that became the whole moment. It was just sort of held up by this this skull, which clearly had had maybe an, an axe in it at some point. Oh. But it just, you know, that might leave a... a so there was a wedge missing from the skull? There was a wedge missing, yeah. The Pac-Man would be on his his side facing up right. and this was cl- this cleaved um the whole piece out so it wasn't like an, an accident this this axe thing and i'm saying axe because I, I can't really let go of that yeah, that was the shape of it and someone had done a real careful job of making his head look like pac-man's uh and and that's when we just thought well let's just spend some time with this man and Hotel keys are an expectation we can set aside. Yeah, just have some some patience at that point. Yeah, he was a, a modern day Phineas Gage. You know, do you know who that is? Sure, Phineas Gage had a a railway spike uh, end up in his head, and it didn't seem to bother him. It didn't seem to bother him, but his personality became different. Right. Correct. It bothered others, not him. And there's probably a lesson in that. I mean, the others did say he became a psychopath or something, but I thought maybe there was another side that we didn't hear. And Phineas himself was just, you know, he was now um, uh, just a little more id run. And I can relate. Yeah. At that point, why not? Do you remember which town this was where this happened? I do not. I don't ever know. I I have a friend whose name is Nick, and he spent many years as a traveling salesperson. And Nick's strategy, well, Nick's problem that he ran into is that he would wake up in a hotel, look out the window, 
and he'd see an Applebee's, and he'd see a Best Buy, and he'd see a parking lot, and he'd see a freeway, and he had been traveling so much that he had no idea where he was. And mm-hmm. he would panic until he could piece together the actual city he was in. So Nick developed a habit where before he went to bed, he would get some paper and a Sharpie and write the name of the city and tape it to the window. So when he woke <laughs> up and saw the Applebee's and the Best Buy and the freeway and the parking lot, he would say, oh, Denver. Oh, God. That would be so sad. Like, if you died that night, and then they would find this weird piece of paper, and they'd start blaming the paper for your death. (laughs) That's me, but I don't panic. I'm just used to it now. It just doesn't matter to you where you are at this point? That's not exactly true, but yes. (laughs) And I would add truck stop to those businesses, and truck yeah. stop is obviously a few businesses. It's like a, a hick mall of sorts. And so you can go and kill time there. Um, but it, it has to be in a very specific way. Like the, you have to want to engage in country music, mm-hmm. and, which, you know, outside of any city center, it's country. And yes. uh, I can say hick because I am one. So outside of any city center, everybody talks like me, and they are playing country music. And so you can sit with those lyrics for a while and and hear um, the hairdos of the people who are working uh, as cashiers there. Acoustically, you can hear them from the way that the country music bounces off them sonically? <laughs> yes, it's a kind of sonar from the... The redneck yeah. heartbreak. Like what a dolphin might use. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And it sort of forms the person behind the counter into a shape that you, then you can recognize and then engage with. Um, mm. And what the reason you might be engaging is, you know, the aforesaid, aforementioned coffee or, yes. or little uh, bike license plates which don't have your name on them because your name is... Kristen, and if they do, they spell it wrong. Um, wrong meaning not like me, which is what wrong always means. And because you are an I N person, aren't you? That's not an right. E N person. That's right. And a K K throws them off. Uh, but mm. uh, then you can maybe find an alter ego for that day, uh, and also apply these alter egos to your bandmates, and they have to. They have to live by them because you gave them a present with their new name on it. Do you ever sign up for the uh, truck stop shower where they announce over the intercom, Kristen, it's time for your shower? <laughs> I didn't know I was allowed. I-, I thought that was for truckers. Don't don't you have to join some club? I don't think so. But it's just that if you're not a trucker, it might not it might not occur to you to go take a shower when you stop for gas. <laughs> I'm going to consider it. Uh, but yeah, I'd be more comfortable with the hose out back. I think. <laughs> okay. All right. Children, you mentioned bringing children on tour um, and they get bored easily and they're fidgety. Um, how, 
how does that go when the, the children are young? Do you need to entertain them? Do you need to make it a special experience? Or do you just wait for them to adapt? All, all of the above. Because uh, this is years we're talking about. And my kids were so odd. Uh, they're real quiet, for one. Mm. And um, they're homeschooled. And I'm going to say gifted, but not in, in the best way. <laughs> Are they spooky? Kristen Hirsch, do you have spooky children? I have spooky children. Four. Okay. Four spooky. Four for four on getting the spooky. <laughs> <laughs> and I find that very entertaining because I have a sick sense of humor. Um, mm. And they they tell amazing stories if you let them but if a journalist is on the bus i i don't because the journalist then writes it down and publishes it and people find out that i have spooky children (laughs) (laughs) how old are your children now um now they're all grown up and the youngest is 20 Okay. They have, they're still slightly spooky, but it just looks like they're thinking about something funny now. It, they learned to hide it as well as their upbringing. <laughs> do you still take them on tour? I do. My baby is going to meet me in Australia in a few weeks, and uh, he's going to uh, sell merch for me in Australia and New Zealand, which he's really really good at because he's so adorable he's really cute and i think there's a little bit of fear in uh on the audience's part that he might not eat that day if they don't buy something i see okay which is good i will take the pity purchase it works for me it's the the same amount of money it counts just the same that's what the little sign up on the merch booth says yeah are any of your spooky children musicians as well? I forbade them from playing music. Uh, good. I didn't think it was a good idea. So yes, all four of them play. Okay. <laughs> once, once you had forbidden them, let's let's get back to the the hotel. So you've you've managed to wait out the um, exasperated size of the desk clerk and they've relented and given you a key. I imagine it's still several hours until it's time for you to play at the rock and roll concert. What do you do at this point? Do you sleep? No. No, we don't. Um, Sometimes, uh, because we're such a pathetic little cult, we hang out in the same room. Oh. And we, um, you know, each one of us will shower one at a time so then we're all wearing towels and turbans and watching whatever the maid left on tv like the go-go's on that album cover we are so much like the go-go's but only in that very specific way that one moment i think that's probably the only thing we have in common with them okay but that can be sort of fascinating i wouldn't have known the genre, you know, the world's blankiest blank from, if I hadn't, you know, like the the world's daringest rescues, the world's scariest animals. Oh, on the, Hotel Cable. 
Yeah. Um, and I learned a lot about humanity that way. Um, like you, you watch enough footage of people just jumping into icy water because somebody's, you know, swooshing by. You start feeling differently about people. People are pretty nice. People are pretty good most of the time. Are there games that you play with your bands? Is there a, a, an ongoing Scrabble game or cards or Boggle? Games, yes, but we make up our games. Um, like the other purchase you might make at the truck stop would be a, a women's magazine, ladies' magazine, okay. you know, and um, preferably the kind with like a cake on it a picture of a cake, but then the articles are about diets. And wow. that's key because in that sweet spot between the cake and the diets is a bunch of quizzes that uh, where you recognize your own emotions, essentially, and, and why you're mad at people. So we give each other these quizzes, uh, you know, not being well-versed in feelings and, um, or anger. And we try to develop both, like this sort of like angry emotion of the the cake baking dieter. Yeah. And then when is it time for sound check? After that. It's like After that. Yeah, then you gotta get out of your turbans. Yeah. And um sound check is another um boring hellscape uh that you make. Um, zen as best you can. Describe for people who haven't been in, in the rock and roll bands what a sound check is and what your role in it is. You, um, your role is to carry your equipment onto the stage and then turn it on and test all of your, your pedals or the way your drum kit sounds in the room and... Um, and then there's a sound engineer whose job it is to tell you that you're too loud. Mm. Or for 30 years, they just say you're too loud. No matter how quiet you are, you're always too loud. Yeah, see? So I think there's, there's something to be learned in that. There's a little Zen sweet spot there, too. As emotionally angry as we got from the, the Women's Day quiz, uh, now is our chance to acquire some patience. What is the loudest artist or band that you've ever played with? Uh, Flaming Lips, probably. Flaming Lips. Yeah. Um, they, they opened for us on a tour, and they, were, they did it on purpose. Be, it wasn't just loud. It was so piercing <laughs> that they said they were trying to get everyone to leave the room. And oh. uh, that's great for them because it, it's what they set out to do and it worked. But then we had to go on after everyone left. And you had to go on. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> what, what's the quietest band you've ever played with? Um, the Moore Brothers. They, they have one guitar between them. It's their only instrument. And they just trade it back and forth. And oh. It was really sweet. Yeah. That sounds sweet. All right. So... Obviously, we're not going to talk about the moment where you hit the stage and the lights come up. That's no. Far, uh, far that's too interesting. And stressful. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, we don't want that. That's not going to help anybody sleep. But between 
the sound check and the performance? Is it more just visiting with your friends and talking about things while you sit in, in a green room or a dressing room? For me, it's all about hiding however I can hide. And as someone who isn't particularly striking in any way, usually that only takes stepping off the stage. After that, I, I am as boring as I am. And and yet, if there's no clear path from the backstage to the dressing room to the bus or van, um, you know, so, sometimes there will be people who are happy because mm-hmm. they're drunk and they're, they're there to have fun and they're holding your records or your T-shirt and a pen and they hug and cry this is not nothing against them. I'm just saying that that's their that's the role they're playing, and the role I'm right. playing is to hide. And sometimes they don't really jibe, and so I used my bandmates as human shields because they're mm-hmm. better people than me and way more uh, interesting. Sure. Um, this doesn't always work, but if hiding works, then uh, the next place you find yourself is um, at the gas station again. And Mm. because we're nice, we take turns pumping gas. And you you want to do this for your friends who, like, have a problem maybe, some kind of issue or uh, homesickness or any sickness. Anxiety. Yeah. And uh, so I take many turns pumping gas. And that's when it all all comes together, uh, you know, with the bugs flying around in the fluorescent lights and mm. the sort of emptiness of America and your chance to reflect. The, you're pumping gas between the sound check and the show? No, we, we skipped the show. Of course. I had a follow-up question. Why do you hide and where in a typical venue do you hide? Anywhere I can. Yeah. Why? Uh, an alien. <laughs> yeah. And I have just laid out all of my alien uh, offerings on mm. a stage. And a lot of them are weird. And I feel like my whole uh, species could be judged by what I've offered. Um, I value them up to a point, but since they are gifts for the this other species um i have to let go so i leave them there mm. and um i figure they might come after me with the pitchforks and right very typical kind of thing to happen yeah even if it's positive pitchforks they're still coming at me right even if they're pitchforks with uh with little tennis balls on the end of it like a person's <laughs> walker yeah, even that, because they're sort of alarmingly fluorescent. Right, right. Do you tend to sleep in the hotel after the show, or do you get in the vehicles and, and move on to the next town overnight? Uh, both, depending on the tour. Um, but I will say that since you are always in the vehicle together after the show, mm. we have identified this moment where you are completely 
used up, that there's no other time in your life when you have given so much of what you were here to give and nothing else has yet been asked of you. So I think it's important to have that liminal space between the show and the, um, well, even sleeping is life. It's you again. You have to go back to your personality and who you are here. Um, but that that dark liminal space is where we we replenish together, and only because we're completely empty of absolutely everything at that moment. Mm, okay, I understand. Uh, touring in the U.S. seems to be a lot about gas stations and truck stops. You're about to leave for England, and then Australia and New Zealand. Are you visiting gas stations? I suppose, petrol stations overseas as well? (laughs) No, they babysit me more over there because I'm foreign. See, over there, Ah, we're the foreigners. Right. You're not familiar with their ways. So I don't know anything according to them. And don't tell them um, otherwise because I'm really enjoying being led around and babysat. Children babysit for me there. My... I stayed at a Scottish friend's house recently and his two little girls decided that because I had never heard of tablet. Do you know Mm -hmm. what tablet is in Scotland? No, in Scotland, no. Yeah. I said pills and they said they were going to get it on their ice cream. And I thought, wow, this is an edgy town. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Prescription meds. (laughs) Like sprinkles. (laughs) I said, like pills, and they're like, no, no, tablet. You don't know what tablet is. And I said, I guess not if it's not pills in your ice cream. And you know what it was? Was the inside of um, a Butterfinger. Oh. Okay. They they eat that there, and they put it in ice cream cones. and, And the girls just decided then that because. I didn't know what tablet was. I didn't know anything at all. And uh, mm. this is this is my birthday again. It's coming up a lot, but it was my birthday. Yeah. And they were going to take me out for Indian food. And uh, they said something about bune, bune. There's, and that sounded kind of Indian to me, uh, kind of Hindu, you know. And mm-hmm. I said, I don't know what that is. And they're like, you don't know what a rabbit is? It's like... Oh, I know what a rabbit is. And they're like, no, you weren't going to eat it? <laughs> so, you know, I wasn't going to eat it. It was their pet rabbit they were talking about. Somehow I had missed that. And I realized this is where I want to be. I want to live as a foreigner. I want people to just think I know absolutely nothing at all times. And then that kind of covers all bases. They're real kind. And in case I don't know, they'll fill in the blanks. Oh, nice, nice. That's... uh this is the the glamour of show business that you don't often hear as much about that you get to uh, <laughs> get to confuse young children in Scotland. <laughs> it's my favorite part anyway. I don't know if that's anybody else's kink. <laughs> is there when you tour is there business fussing that needs to go on? Are there do you need to pull up spreadsheets on a laptop? Or put on a green visor and crunch numbers? Is that part of it? That's a great idea. I could even get 
bifocals, right? There you go. I would like an adding machine, and I think I would use a pencil to put my hair up. Mm. But no, I, I don't believe that we do anything except uh, just get by. Kristen Hirsch, good luck on your tour, and thank you so much for sleeping with us, and good night. Thank you, John. Well, sleepyheads, I hope you enjoyed learning about rock and roll tour life as much as I did. You know, something I like to do at the end of my day is make a mental catalog of things that I experienced and or learned. So if you don't mind, I'm going to make a list of takeaways from my conversation with Kristen Hirsch right now while it's fresh in my mind. One. If Kristen is riding her bike in New Orleans, please don't interrupt her. Two, you can be loud in the sunshine if you mean it. Three, gas station coffee is a gift when it happens. Four, the world does not make mini license plates for Kristens who do not use the E. 5. The emptiness of America all comes together at night, pumping gas. 6. In Scotland, tablets refer to the inside of Butterfingers. Oh, I'm going to turn in myself. Thank you for sleeping with me and Kristen Hirsch. You can follow Sleeping with Celebrities on both Twitter and TikTok with the handle at sleepwithcelebs. On Instagram, the handle is at sleepwcelebs. Our email is sleepwithcelebs at maximumfun.org. Music for this program is provided by the Winterbowers. The show was senior produced and edited by Laura Swisher. Swish. And it is a production of Maximum Fun and Papa Chick. I'm John Moe. Night night. Maximum Fun, a worker owned network of artist owned shows, supported directly by you.